Thank you, uh, Naomi and Eli. Sorry, we had a little freeze problem during that video. Um, trying to make the whole thing available in the newsletter tomorrow so you can watch through. I think you didn't lose sound, but you did lose uh, the picture there. Uh, they had loads of fun making that. Um, I hope you had fun watching it and the bits you missed you get to have some more fun with uh, tomorrow. Um, what a great story. And as we continue to look through this present series that we're in called Covenantal, uh, today we are looking at that covenant that God made with Abraham. And we heard a little bit about that there. A covenant that was not only for him, but a covenant that was for all of his descendants. And, and last week we looked at the uh, Noahic covenant. And I mentioned that there are four uh, different aspects of a covenant. The seal, the stipulation, the sign, and the sacrifice. Um, and so I want to jump into it. And that's our window right now as a starting point for today. Uh, the seal. God's promise to Abraham. Uh, Genesis 15, 5. Um, he says, to, you will have many, many offspring. It'll be numerous as the stars in the sky. Uh, but before that, uh, a few verses earlier, God promised Abraham that he would be his protection and his provision. He said, do not be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield and your very great reward. And at this stage, um, they, they, God hadn't given Abraham and, and Sarai their, their new name yet. Uh, but, but Abraham had entered into that covenant relationship with God. And that's confirmed for us in verse 9 there of, of chapter 15, when God says, Bring me a heifer, a goat and a ram, uh, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. See, here is the sacrifice that's associated with the covenant here. Uh, see, in ancient culture, covenants were made between parties and animals were sacrificed as part of that making of the covenant. The blood of the animal, it symbolized the surrender of, of, the, of the person's old life. Um, this is the way that things were done. Um, it was the way of the time, and, and, and it continued long after Abraham, way into Jeremiah's time. Um, so Abraham being told, bring me a heifer, bring me a goat and a ram and a pigeon and a dove, it's kind of music to his ears. Uh, the covenant is going to be ratified. He, he knows now that that relationship is sorted, it's, it's embedded, it's, it's not going anywhere. You could only really trust someone who was a covenant partner. And so stepping into that, Abraham is now fully trusting God because he knows what God says will be because you don't, as I mentioned last week, uh, you don't go back on a covenant. You don't cancel it. It just wasn't something that was done. Um, so there's the seal. There's the sacrifice. What about the stipulation and the sign? Well, the stipulation is that Abraham and all of his descendants uh, believe that they act in faith. And as verses 9 uh, through 14 of chapter 17 tell us, I'm going to read that for you now. Uh, God said to Abraham, as for you, you must keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you for the generations to come. This is my covenant with you and your descendants after you, the covenant you are to keep. Every male among you shall be circumcised. 
you are to undergo circumcision and it will be a sign of the covenant between me and you. For the generations to come, every male among you who is eight days old must be circumcised, including those born in your household or brought with money from a foreigner, those who are not your offspring. Whether born in your household or bought with your money, they must be circumcised. My covenant is your flesh, is to be an everlasting covenant. Any uncircumcised male who has not been circumcised in the flesh will be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. So the sign of circumcision mentioned in that passage is so very much tied to the stipulation in the case of the Abrahamic covenant. And we need to read this text very carefully, very carefully, because it's not only Abraham's family that are invited into this covenant, but the whole household. Present slaves, future slaves, um, future people who join uh, the tribe, who, who, who come to be part of that which is under Abraham's control. If they all keep that stipulation that has been assigned to the benefit of this covenant from God, then they are in covenantal relationship with God. So this covenant, it's not only for those who have been born into the family of Abraham, but to all of those who become part of his household. God offers everything that he has. That's the way of the covenant. But he asks Abraham in return to walk with him, to live a life before God. And that's the call, that's the stipulation on all of those who want to step into that relationship of covenantal relationship under the Abrahamic covenant. And I love the picture of walking with God. And I'm reminded of two things here. Uh, first, I'm reminded of the hymn in the garden. You may know it. If you don't, I'm about to read you the chorus words anyway. And, and the second is a poem uh, called Footsteps. But first, the chorus of that hymn, it says, And he walks with me, and he talks with me, and he tells me I am his own. And the joy that we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. God is walking and talking with Abraham. And he's calling Abraham not only to just talk, but to walk in his ways. Today we might say he's not only talking the talk, but he's walking the walk. He's 100% committed and behind this covenant and being faithful to the God who he's made that covenant with. And then that poem that I mentioned. It's such a great poem. You may know it. If you don't, I really recommend looking it up. Uh, I love how the emphasis shifts and, and really highlights God's grace um, and his mercy. I mean, at the, the author, uh, he looks back and he sees only footprints in the sand, one set instead of two, where it started. And he says, God, why did you leave me? when I needed you the most, when I was in troubled times. And God says, I didn't leave you. You only see one set of footprints because that's when I was carrying you. There's another um, kind of poem which is a, a bit of a, a take on the footprints, um, but it's called Butt Prints, um, which alludes to the times which God isn't carrying us, but he's literally dragging us in the sand. Um, 
getting us to where we need to go sometimes as we are reluctant. And, and I kind of like that image of God grabbing my legs and, and pulling me along to, to, to get me to where he is needing me, wanting me to go. But I digress a little bit there. Abraham is in covenant relationship with God. He is filled with that joy of being made, uh, of it being made official with the sacrifices that's been, with the walking between the split carcass, entering into that new life that awaits him. And Sarah and their descendants, but the first of which they haven't met yet. They're still waiting for their child, for Isaac. But what does that have to do with us today? Well, we're going to get to that in a couple of weeks' time. <laughs> Leave you with a cliffhanger. Um, but for today, I really want to be challenging you and pushing you to be thinking right now, right here, what is it that God has done for you? God called Abraham, the action of entering into a covenant with him, it was initiated by God. It was an extension of his grace and his mercy. Not something that Abraham had asked for, but it is something that he was very thankful that he had received. So when I ask you, what are you thankful for? What are you thankful to God for? I want you to think beyond the things which you may have asked him for. Where is, where is his blessing in your life? Simply because he showed up and he put it there. Just because he wanted to shower you with his grace. And that's a great picture. He wants to shower you with his grace. And where have you seen that? Where have you seen that in your life? Where can you recall that? And where can you share that very story with other people so they get to see what it is that God is up to in your life and what he could be up to in their life? See that grace, it's available to everyone. We need to remember that. And Pastor Karen reminded us of that in the devotion yesterday. He gives it freely, but it's not cheap. It will cost you everything. Okay, it's free, but it will cost you everything. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he wrote this, cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance, baptism without church discipline, communion without confession, absolution without personal confession. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship, grace without the cross, grace without Jesus Christ living and incarnate. But costly grace is the treasure hidden in the field. For the sake of it, a man will go and sell all that he has. It is the pearl of great price to buy, which the merchant will sell all of his goods. It is the kingly rule of Christ, for whose sake a man will pluck out the eye which causes him to stumble. It is the call of Jesus Christ, at which the disciple leaves his nets and follows him. Costly grace is the gospel, which must be sought again and again, the gift which must be asked for, the door at which a man must knock. We are a church which believes in costly grace. 
a grace which is centred on discipleship. It's not only what we get from that relationship, but it's what we give. It's what we give as we choose to follow Christ. We're going to have a video in a few minutes. Set to some music which is played by our music ministry leader, uh, Paul Booker, the guy who introduced uh, this morning uh, song for us as we started worship and welcomed us to God's presence. The text that will appear uh, throughout the video highlights some of the things that all of us who choose to follow Christ as disciples are thankful for. But the last minute, it just says at the top of the screen, give thanks. So I want you to take the time this morning to truly, truly give thanks as we prepare to come to his table in communion.